Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the Global Church. I'm Debbie Thomas. My essay this week is called Learning to See. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, October 30th, 2016. Remember Zacchaeus, the little guy who shimmied up a tree? Raise your hand if Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he is already playing in your head. I've had the Sunday school song stuck in mine all week. Let's face it, this week's gospel story is so familiar, it's difficult to read with fresh eyes. For years now, I've considered it a piece of gospel light, a children's story that's cute and funny, but irrelevant to adult life. How ironic, given that the story is all about seeing. In an attempt to challenge my own jaded perception, I spent the week breaking the lection up line by line and reading each piece independently, probing for questions that might pertain to my life with God. If you'll indulge me, I'll replicate the process I went through for you. Not every question below will crack the story open for you, but one or two of them might. They did for me. As it turns out, there's a lot to ponder in this mere children's story. Once there was a man who wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. Can you relate already? When was the last time your desire for Jesus felt desperate? How long has it been since you last noticed the crowd, the obstacles, the distractions, the old assumptions and failures that block your vision of the divine? The man's desperation drove him ahead of the crowd and up into the branches of a sycamore tree, where he hoped to catch a glimpse of Jesus when he passed by. Have you ever admitted that your spiritual vision is limited? Recognize that you need a new angle, a new perspective? Have you ever done something playful and undignified for the sake of your faith? or waited in an unfamiliar place for however long it takes, trusting that Jesus will come your way eventually? When Jesus passed under the tree, he looked up and said, Hurry down, Zacchaeus, for I must stay at your house today. Do you know that you are sought, that your pursuit of God is the surest sign of his pursuit of you? When did you last hurry in your spiritual life, your urgency for God driving you out of hiding? When did you last host Jesus in your own home? allowing him to open closed doors, see your intimate places, touch your prized possessions, and explore those grimy corners he deliberately didn't give you time to clean up before he visited. How well have you understood that you will never see anything worth seeing in this life, unless you allow yourself to be seen, too? The man scrambled out of the tree with delight, filled with joy to take Jesus home with him. If you could characterize your faith life in one word, would that word be joy? Sure, you worship God, you honor God, you love God, but does God tickle you pink? Does the mere thought of him put a smile on your face? When did Jesus last delight your soul? The crowd was indignant and grumbled, What business does Jesus have getting cozy with a sinner? But the man stood his ground, saying, Master, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Have you ever held a person hostage to a version of himself he's striving to outgrow? Have you ever refused a person the permission to change, knowing that if she changes, you'll have to change too? Has God ever asked you to stand your ground and tell a new story about yourself, one your listeners have high stakes in resisting? When did your faith last call you to face with humility the people you have wounded? The spiritual life is evolutionary to its core. Change or die is its bottom line. Are you okay with that? Then Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. 
for I have come to seek and to save the lost. When were you last lost? When were you last found? What has Jesus named you? Before you are anything, anyone, any ones, you are God's. Do you believe this? I don't know about you, but I'm shaken by the questions this simple gospel story raises. Having grown up in the church, steeped in scripture, and surrounded by the trappings of Christianity, I tend to assume that I can see myself, Jesus, and other people fairly clearly. I don't go around looking for sycamore trees to climb. But Zacchaeus' story gives me pause because it's all about accepting the smallness of my vision, about the courage it takes to recognize who and what I really am in relation to God, small, limited, lost, sought, found, and saved and about becoming vulnerable before the very people I have hurt as a result of my impoverished perspective, so that our mutual transformation can do its painful, joy-making work. There's nothing childish about this story at all, except perhaps my tendency to run away from its implications. In his collection of essays, Weight of Glory, C.S. Lewis reminds us of the high stakes involved in our seeing. It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are, in some degree, helping each other to one or other of these destinations. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities, it is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them, that we should conduct all our dealings with one another all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. How different my life would be if I lived it as Lewis describes. To see ourselves as Jesus sees us is to glimpse the extraordinary and the immortal at all times. It's a breathtaking possibility, one I can hardly wrap my mind around. But it's precisely the kind of seeing we are called to in this life. If you doubt it, then consider this. Even after Zacchaeus took the bold step of climbing a tree to better his vision, Jesus called for more. Come down, Jesus said. Come down, come here, come closer. I have even greater treasure saved up for you. We climb the tree, in other words, only to climb back down at his invitation. We peek from a distance only to prepare ourselves to stand with him face to face. We run ahead of him only because we forget who and what we truly are. As soon as we remember we discover the amazing truth Zacchaeus discovered. Jesus has already followed us home. For books this week, we review Hélène Gestern's The People in the Photo. Gestern's novel, translated from the French by Emily Boyce and Ross Schwartz, is a story about forgiveness, family secrets, old loves, and the archaeology of memory. It describes the personal journey taken by Hélène, a Parisian archivist, when she attempts to uncover the life and secrets of her mother, who died when Hélène was only four years old. The novel begins when Hélène puts out a newspaper advertisement, requesting information about a mysterious photograph of her mother, taken alongside two unknown men at a 1971 tennis tournament. The ad provokes a response from Stéphane, a scientist from Kent who recognizes his father in the photograph. Drawn together by a mutual desire to know the truth about their parents, Hélène and Stéphane begin the exchange of letters, emails, and text messages that forms the core of Gestern's novel. Interspersed throughout this correspondence are rich, evocative descriptions of the photographs Hélène and Stéphane exhume as they investigate their parents' mysterious connection. These act as markers in a story, providing clues about the past, 
while also taking readers on a tour through the Swiss mountains, the Brittany coast, and the Russian expatriate community in Paris. As Hélène and Stéphane gradually grow in trust and intimacy, they must face the consequences of dredging up their linked history. Will their relationship survive the ghosts of the past? Can they overcome the pain their parents once caused them? How damaging are family secrets? In well-paced and understated prose, Desterne explores what it means for grown children to judge and or forgive the errors of their parents, and then move on to forge their own identities and relationships. For movies this week, we review I'll Sleep When I'm Dead. So much success, so much sadness. This short, 82-minute bio-documentary by Netflix debuted at the Tribeca Film Festival. It tells two stories, really, really. the main one of which is about Steve Aoki, born in 1977. In the world of electronic dance music, he's a certified phenom, a force of nature, and one of the most famous DJs in the world. He recently did 300 shows around the globe in a single year. All that was after he founded the record label Dimmac. It turns out that the apple didn't fall far from the tree, and that's the second story. Steve's father was Rocky Aoki, who came to the United States as a Hall of Fame wrestler for the Japanese Olympic team, founded the restaurant chain Benihana, raced powerboats, won the backgammon world championship, and piloted hot air balloons from Japan to North America. Can you say adrenaline junkie? Rocky had seven children and three marriages and even sued four of them for trying to take over his restaurants. And, big surprise, Rocky was an absentee husband and father. By his own description, Steve both feared and idolized his father and has spent his life trying to earn his love and gain his approval. The movie reminded Dan of a dark joke by a friend, that behind every great man there's a trail of human wreckage. But give credit where it's due, the son is trying to live honestly in the long, dark shadow of his father's legacy. And finally, for poems this week, we have The Beginning of Wisdom by Denise Levertov. You have brought me so far. I know so much. Names, verbs, images. My mind overflows. A drawer that can't close. Unscathed among the tortured. Ignorant, parchment uninscribed, light strokes only, or a scribe tried out a pen. I am so small, a speck of dust moving across the huge world, the world a speck of dust in the universe. Are you holding the universe? You hold on to my smallness. How do you grasp it? How does it not slip away? I know so little. You have brought me so far. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, October 30th, 2016. I'm Debbie Thomas.